The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by the Capital One Saver Card. Earn 4% cash back on dining and entertainment, 2% at grocery stores, and 1% on all of their purchases. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. All right. What am I supposed to do now? How am I supposed to lead the show? I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to say. I know what I saw last night, but I feel like we've done this before. The Rosillo Show, Will Kane today. Time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Best phones, best networks, no contracts. Will LeBron James go to the Houston Rockets? Is Will Kane going to tear it up at happy hour tonight? Um, We're going to assess the quarterbacks that we used to love two years ago versus the quarterbacks that we love this year. Young dudes. But first. But first. What are you supposed to talk about? Uh, you got to lead with the Pats. I mean, you don't have to. If you had some really great, clever, written-out take on some other thing that I would defer, I would say, okay, yeah, we can do that instead. But I think you have to lead with the Pats when they go down and lose to a Miami team the way they did. I mean, it's a, a one-score game, not if you watched it. And what are you supposed to say? Okay, here's what I would do. I would go, do I come in today and go, man, this Pats team that we all love, number one in everybody's power rankings, you know, some defensive problems again. Brady was terrible on third down. So you could do two different things. You could go, oh, that defense that was so bad in the beginning of the year, is it actually sneaky, not that good, and tricking us for a few in-between months, now they're going to be bad, and I can't think about them as a Super Bowl winner. Everything with New England is, can this team win a Super Bowl? Or I could do the, did Brady turn 40 last night? Oh, yes, that one. Is anybody doing that one today? Yes. Yes. So he got old? Overnight. Last night. He, he was went the from MVP, MVP candidate. Yeah. To finger slipping off the edge of the cliff in one night. Well, how do you want to do the topic? Let's start with Brady. Okay, no problem. But the theme, Ryan, that you're hinting at is the same. Whether or not it's the Patriots in general or Tom Brady in particular, it's how can we overreact to a sample size of one game? How can we reevaluate everything that we know, even after we've been warned? How can we make this same mistake again? The warning, when it comes to the Pats, is we were granted a four-game sample size at the beginning of this season that the Pats' defense is horrendous. The worst. It was the worst in the NFL about a month into the season. And it was true. Yeah. But it was carried over to is a fatal flaw and can't be fixed. It was, I think it was okay. Uh, at the time, you'd look at the personnel and you'd go, is that front really good enough? Can they be an average defense? Because even last year when they were number one in points, it was weird. It felt weird. It felt like they weren't a dominant defense. And yet, I looked at it going into last night. They were fourth in scoring defense. Now they're fifth in scoring defense. And yes, the personnel along that front is not impressive. I mean, when Flowers is out, you're like, okay, who are the dudes that I'm even afraid of? Uh, and, and Cutler looked good against them last night. But wouldn't it be stupid when we just did this a couple months ago, like if you were off the pats, because you go, you know what, that defense, it can't be fixed. They fixed it. They just, they're giving you evidence of the thing you're thinking about doing by getting off of New England this season. We're not even talking about past seasons. This season, they already went from this awful, awful defense to riding the ship for two months to a bad performance last night. And yardage wise, they're still terrible. But they're again, they're fifth in scoring defense. So 29th in yardage. Yeah, they're, they're one of the, yeah, again, four worst teams. Right, but fifth in points allowed. That's a pretty wide gap, and the second. It's also one's... the kind of statistic that you should raise red flags on. It is the kind of statistic you should go. Do you trust that points your game are always going to be low when yardage is high? Well, there's a bunch of different ways that we could do this. The metrics will tell you it's not very good. Like I was looking at right. some of that stuff today. So forget the scoring defense. Look at the metrics. It's not very good. It's not very. Good. I mean, you go okay, but but if you really want to bet against this team. Because no. if you've been saying, I, I'm playing the other side of the Pats bet, you're not just broke. You're, like, shelters ask you to leave. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> well, and now you're the guy in the corner of the shelter mumbling to himself. I was right. <laughs> about like, Brady and the cliff. Because that guy, he's not just thrown out of the shelter. He's talking to himself. And those guys do exist. You asked if anybody's saying that today. Are people waking up today going, I told you so? Yes, but the guy who's saying... Brady turned 40 last night, and Brady had a horrible game. Brady had his worst game of the season. He was it, bad last night. Now, Howard, the corner, turned into Deion oh Sanders. Those two picks by the second pick by him going one on one with Brooks, or excuse me, Brandon Cooks, and catching up to him and catching it over his shoulder. Dude, that's one of the best interceptions you're ever going to see. I laid off Twitter. I was like, ah, I don't know. I, do I like this. that. Yeah. That's good. But that pick made me tweet. 
a very simple and obvious tweet. That's one hell of an interception. He hit the Jets, and not only did he hit the Jets and suck up Cooks, he caught that, I mean, it was pure hands, like on the run. There was no body catching. It was beautiful. That guy, Xavier Howard, I mean, he's the Dolphins in general, by the way, they have some players. Xavier Howard, Kenyon Drake is emerging as a real player in this league. But we're not going to reevaluate Tom Brady overnight. And the only guys that are are saying, this is the cliff, this is the one I was telling you about, are the guys who have been telling you about it for a year. The guys have been saying this is coming, this is how it happens, it happens quickly, fruit turns overnight, meat goes quickly on the table, are saying this is it now. And I would say one game versus an MVP-level performance throughout the year when he turns 40. Will Kane, The Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio, Straight Talk Wireless, nationwide coverage on America's largest and most dependable 4G LTE networks. We're going to talk Embiid coming up a little bit later. LeBron to Houston, this article that came out, uh, executives talking about it. I agree with you on the Brady thing. Like You don't get to be the front runner for the MVP, but I think now him having the game last night allows Russell Wilson to be maybe back in this conversation with the game that he had against Jacksonville with Wentz being hurt. I think it opens up the door to Antonio Brown. I think there's a real conversation about a wide receiver winning MVP and the performance of those two guys and Wentz's injury makes that an open door that we should be discussing. I think Breeze should be mentioned in it. I was looking at some of Breeze's stuff this morning. I know his total touchdowns aren't as high as they normally be. The guy's completing 72% of his passes and he's top five in yardage. So now that we've reset what that group is, and this is just two dudes hanging out doing it, I've never been one to believe that the Brady thing just gets to happen. Like, he's the guy that just gets to decide to not age. Like, you really want to tell me avoiding certain fruits is the key? You really, you're telling me the pajamas and the sleeping. And I'll admit at home, I crank the thermostat down a few degrees <laughs> at home at night just to increase my age. That's what they say. Yeah, like I'm going, you know what? Let's get in the mid-60s here, Rye. Let's live a little bit longer. I'm you got a lot. Yeah. You got a lot of living ahead of you. Maybe I should do that. So I said, where are you right now? This is the whole uh, 66 or so, 66 right. degrees. 71. Yeah, I used to be a 70. And now I'm down to 66, and I got to tell you, I'm loving it. Don't turn it. Don't toss and turn. Don't wake up in the middle of the night. Just well, hibernating. I, I woke. I wake up all all night. I watched Papillon the other night. Does not hold up. Leper colony, or wait, excuse me, leper colony. Misspoke. I need to see that. Yeah, Papillon. Steve That's McQueen. The second sell you put on me in the last two days on this movie. Yeah, big. I'm in a big Steve McQueen face here. Speaking of hot guys, so back to Brady. Yeah. I don't think just because you have the method and the pliability and the diet and all the stuff that you get to just play till 45, although I respect the determination, almost talking yourself into it. It's not a lie if you believe it approach that Brady has to aging. Like, yeah, no, you're wrong on this one. This isn't LeVar Ball manifesting it with his words. It will be because I say it will be. This is a dude that has totally adjusted his lifestyle, put some thought, research, and science into it. He's not eating nightshades and strawberries, sleeping in the chambers you're talking about, wearing the special pajamas, doing the stretches that you talked about, the pliability. Every single aspect of his life, from the ice cream to the girlfriend, are coordinated so that he can be an NFL quarterback at 45. I think he does get to be the guy. So you think he does? I think he's the guy. Okay, we disagree on that, but at 40, turning 40 in August, I don't I don't think it's crazy that he's still playing really well with the way he plays, the fact that he that he's going to know his offense and everywhere everyone's supposed to be the entire time. Like, it's just a different level, but... I imagine there's going to be some hit where he looks old, and then he'll be bad at playing quarterback. Somebody tweeted last night, it might have been Pablo Torre, said, the dude that won't eat a strawberry just lost to the dude that said, I don't need to have cardio because I play card of a quarterback. Yeah, that was Pablo. It was a good tweet. The Ryan Rosillo Show. So right now I want to get to this piece from Sam Amick. USA Today, right? And we're hoping to maybe get him on a little bit later today. And it's a big part of first take. And you already see the graphic bar. It says, NBA execs believe Rockets have, quote, real chance to sign LeBron. Because from the piece, it says rival executives also believe the Rockets will have a real chance. The funny thing is that the quote on the TV show is from the piece that's the writer where this is him just talking to people around the league going, Houston has a real spot. So then it becomes, well, what does this actually mean? Well, when we talked about this earlier, I got to tell you, like, no analysis into this, no thought, no first take on this. It doesn't make sense to me that LeBron James ends up in Houston. It just doesn't seem like 
the career path that LeBron James would take. In other words, I think he wants to be high profile. I think he wants to be transformative. I think he wants to end up in places where he can leave a legacy like Cleveland. I think Miami was about being with his buddies, and I think everything adds up to ending up a Los Angeles Laker. A storied franchise, some young talent, just bought a new home in L.A. That makes sense. Houston is hard to make sense on all of those factors except for one. It is most likely the best opportunity for him to win a championship and to compete with the Golden State Warriors. Well, the Rockets thing has gone around for a while as a possible landing spot. So I don't know if this is this is real like intel or if this is what happens at times. And, and it happens. Like NBA people that work for teams gossip the same way we gossip about it on the air. But it just sounds better when they say it. Okay, And some of them are on point And some of them are just kind of having fun, kicking around, talking to a reporter, going, yeah, you know, I could see Houston. Can I point out something, though? With you, I feel like, and you may get really annoyed with me right now, Will. Okay, but when you guys nervous, where's this going? Present your positions on the TV show. Okay, I almost feel like you guys will like go. Hey, do I have seven deep? Do I have seven reasons deep that will that will fortify my position? Do I have? Do I have? Can I go to eight things? Can I add a ninth thing? Him having a house in L.A. means literally nothing. He just bought a new one. It doesn't, he's, or, yeah, but that means he's already had one. So why didn't he go before? So, like, if you're doing, hey, I don't see the Rockets, I don't think it's a fit, then I think, I don't okay. Think that's, by the way, I don't think that's nine deep. I'm, we're just going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Okay. I but, think LeBron buying a house last week, a new, what was it, $23 million mansion? Yeah. I think, at the very least, that's super fishy. If it's going to be your fourth home, what's wrong with the one you had? Why do you need a second? I, can you deny that's investing in L.A.? Oh my God! What am I on the witness seat? So this is this is my point. Can I? What the hell does that have to do with anything? Yes, he'll be paying taxes in L.A. and those will go to community outreach programs. Like technically, I have to answer yes that it's investing in L.A. But why? Like the L.A. Lakers storied franchise, not the Houston Rockets. Okay, fine. Like you're visually, you can't see him in the Rockets jersey versus the Lakers jersey. What is the young talent on L.A. other than a million question marks right now? Do you think you think Can LeBron I? James wants anything to do with the LeVar Ball deal and his son? He really is like, I can't wait to sign up with this. This is going to be sick. Can I tell you something, Ryan? You yes. may get irritated with me. Okay. So, But your show. <laughs> you do this thing. <laughs> I just said it was my first take that had no ra- you know, a- analysis behind it. It is simply, yeah, I can't picture him in Houston versus picture him in L.A. I do think the house thing is very fishy, and I think you're, th- you're waving your hand at it. But you took the whole thing I caveated and said, yeah, just letting you know my gut instinct here, my first take. Yeah, You took that and started to attack it when it was never designed to be attacked. I told you it wasn't, that wasn't seven or eight deep. That was zero deep. That was the Will Kane, I can't picture him going to Houston, Texas and wearing a pinstripe jersey take. My well-researched take, my I know what I'm talking about take, mm-hmm. is yes, this roster with his best friend or one of his two or three best friends on it, with James Harden going bananas at 32 points and nine assists a game, makes a ton of sense if you really actually want to use titles as your legacy. That if your point is being the Golden State Warriors, this is your opportunity. That one, which we didn't get to, because you want to jump on my L.A. take. I did. Is my real analysis. I liked it better. I still think he's going to be a Laker, though. Okay, but if we were on the TV show, if we were on first take, I, I think the goal of the show is, okay, can I beat you over the head with numerous examples, even if the last, if example three, four, and five are thin. Well, dude, you I and I talked the, the other show. day, and you told me this. You go, I think mistakes some people do, some people make, is they shoot their whole like evidence um, holster. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. They shoot all their bullets mm-hmm. on their first go and don't leave anything for their rebuttal, right? And, yes. and I talked about that because you're going to have to, on first take where you have 10 minutes for a single debate, you're going to have to be able to rebut yourself, not rebut yourself, rebut your yes. opponent yeah. two or three times. Right. So it would be wise to have, you know, four or five points. And you could go the Donald Trump route and just have one that you hammer over and over and over because simplicity usually wins the day. But yeah, I do like to go three or four deep. Nine, not not nine. Not three nine. Or four. No, but there was something More else recently where I went. More evidence is better than less. I went, yep. Yep. No, no, I, I, I think, I think that you can actually hurt your points 
by that last little extra one that right. didn't have a lot of weight to it. Yeah, by just like going, hey, here's another one. And you go, that's not really even relevant. So now I'm focusing on that one that was weak and thin. And now your first two aren't as strong. That's good advice. Seriously. Do you yeah. guys need me in the pre-show meeting at first take? Well, I don't. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> <laughs> I can give you those other guys' numbers if you want. <laughs> no, I, I, big fan, big fan, big fan of everybody. The Ryan Rosillo Show. Rosillo. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. I have to go to the gym and untangle my headphones while warming up on the treadmill. And I'll finally untangle them four miles later, at which point I'm going to be real tired. Oh, yeah. Motorcycles make everything exciting. And when Geico makes it easy to switch and save on motorcycle insurance, it's even more exciting. And once I put my headphones in, I realize my phone's dead. Then I get to run in silence. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. What if I told you Will Kane looks better in person? All right, Will Kane, the Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio. We spent the first 30 minutes of this hour here kind of going over the whole Embiid piece. Go check it out, ESPN the Magazine, Ramona Shelburne, kind of his popularity and why it makes a lot of sense, but even the self-awareness, impressive from Embiid to understand that eh, the honeymoon thing's going to be over at some point. People start getting on my case a little bit more. I know we got to get to some quarterback conversations. We have to do this because I've been teasing it for like an hour. Then do it because I have an Embiid thing that's in my head, and I have to follow natural conversations where they are, so don't let me do it. All right. Okay. Table that. I'm going to try. We'll table that until a little bit later. Okay. Goff has been great. We were talking about the Goff, Jeff Fisher. We were doing the Jeff Fisher quarterback thing. Is that thing still true? That's right. So three of his former quarterbacks are the one, two, and three seed teams? Correct. <laughs> in the <laughs> NFC. And Foles clearly inheriting that one with the Eagles. It's not like you're like, man, I'm clinched the one seed. Like now you threw like five. Foles passes. is that ninth piece of evidence you accuse me of, like in first take. Yes, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Very good. Well said. What about Jameis and what about Mariota? Have we seen enough evidence from both of them? And you know, both have dealt with injuries. And Mariota's kind of got this knee thing right now. But there's times where I watch him and go, wait a minute. What if we said it, and ironically with RG3 being here, Van Pelt and I are still doing the show together. I go, I feel like we're a year away from where you go, man, they moved on from RG3, or this whole first year was a fluke, and it ended up being the right call. What if I said in two years the Titans are looking for another quarterback? Like, How much more confidence do you have in the 2016 top guys versus the 2015 guys who we thought Jameis and Marcus were the answers to their franchise? immensely more confident. It's not even close right now. Not even close. I love the way you teased this. Some of the guys we thought were the next guy are being passed by the next guy. The 2016 class, Wentz, Goff, Dak, immensely better than Winston and Mariota. Now, I think you're going a little too far when you say we could be moving on from one of those two guys in the near future, that it's not a stretch to think a year or two down the road that the Titans are looking for a new quarterback. I think that, specifically with Mariota, he's having a bad year right now. But, I mean, last year, it was a really good year. Completed 61% of his passes, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. That's not the year he's having this year. But it was all trending up as recently as last year. I guess I was always surprised. It wasn't that I was anti-Mariota. I felt like the way he was talked about was this guy who had taken this real leap. And, and when you're a, a franchise that's been without a guy and you've been just shuffling through a bunch of different names, when somebody even looks like the guy, you get really, really excited. But I'd read these off-season things and it'd be like, oh, Marcus is clearly, you know, he's he's moved on. I mean, the numbers are pretty good. QBRs are right. 
the split on the touchdowns and interceptions. He's the guy that took care of the football, didn't throw picks, great in the red zone. Well, now he's throwing picks, and he's throwing more picks, and he's throwing touchdowns. His numbers right now are, I think they're worse. I think they're the worst of his three years. And, well, it's not even close. And Jameis, that one's not even close. He has been in decline now, what feels like, for three straight years. Is he in decline? Here's the thing about Jameis. I guess we could do this thing. This is like the No, but here's the thing. The you and I called this deal. on Jameis a few, uh, 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 I'd say a few months ago at this point now. Jameis sort of is what he is. We can't keep asking Jameis to be something else. Jameis throughout his career has been about a 60% passer. He was down to 58 his first year. He was up to 62 this year. But his, his passer rating, always mid to high 80s. Throw some touchdowns. But the fact of the matter is, Jameis throws interceptions, and he throws bad interceptions. That is consistent. I'm not sure he's getting worse. I'm not sure he's getting better. This is who Jameis Winston is. He's somebody that fumbles the football. He's somebody that throws picks. And it's not just the mistakes. He had another one this past week where you go, are you lateraling it to the defense? (laughs) Like the, The play is dead. The play is dead. You'd think that you could solve it, but then when you'd watch Favre and have these moments, and you're like, man, the old gunslinger. You know, he never gives up on a play, and you win. And this is kind of back to the, some of the Embiid stuff you were talking about. You're like, oh, you never can, you can't ever count him out of a play. You know, Jameis is just a winner. Well, now they're not winning, and now we're worried about the coach. And now we're looking at him, and yes, he's had some injuries. You go, are you ever going to protect the damn ball? Are you ever going to make the football, the possession of it, a priority? And... I don't like doing the, hey, maybe, you know, but I, I think the fact that we're even having this conversation three years into their career when you felt like one, two, these two quarterbacks, and you're right. Like, there's not one person, there's not one person to be listening to this right now going, oh, no, no, no. I would, if we're doing a futures game, I'll still take Winston and Mariota over Goff and Wentz. No way. When we had this conversation, I tweeted out, essentially, Dak over Wentz, over Mariota, over Goff, over Winston. You had Winston last. I still do. Well, now you must feel better about it because I even thought then that was still too quick to move off of Winston and have Goff over him. And now I think you won. I think well, you're right. Yeah, but I had some other holes in that little chain. I mean, Goff belongs over Mariota. Winston Dak, let's call it a close call. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're talking Wentz and Dak. Did I say Winston? I, yeah. I meant Wentz and Dak. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm laughing because I know you meant Carson Wentz because somebody's going, why is that so funny? I take Dak over. Over Jameis. What about Carr? What about Derek Carr? He's also had a regression year. Explain the Raiders in general this year. How were they so good them last all, year? We explained them all summer. We did? Yeah, because no one could name anybody other than Khalil <laughs> Mack on the defense. And we made a joke about it. Khalil every, Mack and those guys? Every, <laughs> <laughs> it was every guy we had on. Like, oh, Carr, you know, the weapons, and then Khalil Mack on defense. And, and those guys. guys. <laughs> like, can you guys, do you not have Google? We not name any other defensive players like that. That's the new rule for anybody listening right now. Okay. When you hear an analyst break down your team, doesn't even have to be your team, a different team. And they say they like them and they can only name one guy in the defense. That means you could have some problems on that. Here's a fun game. Did this at Thanksgiving. Okay. To the guy that knows football, right? Knows football. I know what I'm talking about. Name five guys on their team. Now just pick any team and say, oh, just name five guys. I know you can. I thought that was a challenge. I'm like, Don't no, no, man. you got it. <laughs> but name five Titans. <laughs> <laughs> the Titans always get caught up in that. Wait a minute, who's their coach again? You're like, uh, yeah, Doug Marone. We're good. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. All right, the Rosillo Show with Will Kane on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Creators, the name your price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Have you actually asked a house guest to name five players? My brother-in-law did it. And we to went, who? To me and to other guys. He's like, name five Bengals. I'm like, I can do that. And you can do it. But your wheels turn at about four or five. You know what? I used to, I used to know the name of every baseball general manager and manager. Like, If you had said, oh, do you know? I'd be like, what are you? Don't even come at me with that stuff. Yeah. Nope, not anymore. Tyler Eifert. <laughs> I remember there used to be this theory that you'd go be like, oh, how tough is it to get your job at ESPN? And be like, oh, it's so hard. They put you through the screening. Like, are you serious? Be like, yeah, they ask you about the Padres rotation. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. So Matt Latos. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen. 
I, I don't know anybody that's actually been asked that. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Rossillo. I will give the Ball family, LeVar, uh, specifically, all the credit in the world here. He has kept this thing going. I, I imagine at some point it will burn out. But with every announcement, every move, um, not that his kid got in trouble in China, but then to yank him from UCLA to homeschool the other one that's in high school, and then to say, okay, peace, we are headed to Lithuania, <laughs> and both are signing uh, to play professional hoops over there with a club that I cannot pronounce. So I could try, but I'm not going to. So I would imagine most people go, okay, this is too much, right? Do you think most yes. people resist this? They don't, they don't go, hey, that's great news. I'm pumped for those kids. Yes. And what's interesting to me is, why now? Why is this move so bad? I've been a LeVar Ball critic from day one, and there's sort of the way it is and the way it should be, Ryan. I mean, the way it is, you look at it and you go, well, you're taking away this college experience from these kids, specifically LaMelo, who could have you know, this wonderful experience at UCLA with his friends, trips, road trips. It's UCLA. It's John Wooden. It's tradition. It's everything. It's everything that other kids would love to have. And he's tossing it away like it's worthless. That's the way it is. Or that's the way it should be, rather. The way it is is LaMelo was never going to stay at UCLA for four years. LeVar Ball is guiding these kids. I mean, LiAngelo was never going to stay at UCLA for four years. He was going to be one and done by all accounts. The point is his dad was already going to take this college experience away from them. Taking them to Lithuania, to me, isn't the worst thing in the world. Taking them away from that attention they get in L.A., center of the media storm, dropping him in a post-Soviet Baltic country to seeing the way the world works, get a little taste of experience and worldliness, that's not the worst thing in the world. The question is, how long will it last? See, that's the part that I didn't... I underestimated the ability to stay in the headlines. And it's not just calling out the Lakers and going, okay, Lonzo didn't play well, your thoughts, LeVar, and then he trashes the coaching, which is a joke, because the fact that Luke Walton has this team playing top 10 defense, and it's a handful of young players that are all kind of mismatched, like that to me is very, very impressive. I think the Lakers are actually successful this year, based on my expectations for them, based on who they've been. So anytime LeVar opens his mouth about Luke not being able to coach, it's a total joke, especially when you're the guy that just insults refs during summer league games and walks your team off the court. So let's not talk about coaching. But I underestimated his ability to stay relevant with just the transactions. Like, how did you... I didn't see this coming. Lithuania? I'm bringing my kids to Lithuania? What I don't understand, though, is that could LaMelo, who was at UCLA, ever go, you know what? I'm not going to be a pro basketball player, Dad. Can I just stay at UCLA? And maybe... And I'm not trying to do the education is everything, which is obviously very important, but college isn't for everybody. But what if LaMelo's like, I just wanted to stay at UCLA. I know I'm not going to play a lot. That's fine. Why am I going to play pro basketball in Lithuania when I was a marginal recruit out of high school as it is? John LiAngelo. Uh, I, I, I screw him up all the time. LaMelo's the youngest one, right? Yeah, and anyone Le- with perhaps realistic NBA aspirations. Okay. Why is the middle one Why is the middle one caught up in all this? Like, Why does he have to go to Lithuania? Is this what he wants to do? Did he want to leave you? And now if he does, that's fine. Maybe kids want different stuff. And he's saying, I trust my dad. He even dropped it. I trust the, trust the process with this whole thing. But... It, it's a continuation of publicity stunts, some that are real, some that are not, where I, I can't believe we're still doing this. Like, I'm impressed. Yeah, the sin is delusion. Because the, the sin is not taking away opportunities that other people would kill to have. Because, again, when it comes to Lonzo or LaMelo, the oldest and the youngest, the one with the Lakers and the one that's 16 years old, the path was always going to be one and done in pursuit of an NBA career. And you could argue, well... No matter how you slice them, how do you cut it? That was what we were going to do. No matter if we're at UCLA or at PSG Barcelona or whatever. What do they call their basketball team in Barcelona? FC Barcelona Football Club? No, not F Football Club. Whatever. Yes, that one. That one. PSG. Leangelo is the one that you make an interesting point on because he doesn't have NBA hopes. He doesn't have NBA prospects, but he's been filled with delusion by his dad that he is the only one who's actually giving up the higher outcome opportunity yeah he's the one giving up the college degree for what he said in the presser he goes i trust that my dad will get me on the lakers like is this part of the branding and just hey you know lavar's going to the middle one going just just say this stuff and maybe they all think it's hilarious and and i'm not 
this isn't even really a knock. I just it, it constantly gets lost in this. The middle one isn't good, good at hoops. He's not that good. He would have never been at UCLA if it wasn't a package deal for the other brothers committing there. Okay? It's UCLA. So he probably wasn't going to play. So maybe that's why he wanted to bounce. But you don't just get to... Like, LeVar has talked some things into existence. Mm-hmm. An NBA team giving your marginal prospect son a roster spot is not one of those outcomes. Are you 100% sure about that? You can make t-shirts up. Are you 100% up? sure about that? Yeah, I am. Well, let's see. Okay, what if LaMelo really is like a top 10 pick and he can guide that to the Lakers and now his two sons are on there? He doesn't have the leverage to go, I need you to make that 12th roster spot, Jello. No. You're arguing for the 2% possibility here. I'm also telling you it is FC Barcelona. <laughs> it's really gotten my ear. It is, in fact, FC Barcelona. Quick note as well on this Lithuanian basketball team. Apparently, this Lithuanian coach is the LeVar Ball of that league. He has pulled his team off with three minutes to go in a game because he didn't like the ref's call. Yeah, that's right. It was tie game, and they ended up forfeiting. I was reading that last night. Uh, here's a prediction. They don't last there super long. What, I think this is exactly right. How long is super long? One month? One. I, oh, I was going to say a season. Oh, I think season, take the joke? under. Yeah. Take the under. Yeah, because that's the whole point. Like, you need more headlines. You need to keep this going. Most of this stuff burns out. This candle is a lot longer than I thought. You know what else? It's cold in Lithuania in February. When does it start getting, when's the, when's the, the lighter know, season? Northern Hemisphere, fear, farther north. All good points. The Ryan Rossillo Show. Thank you for listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. Nobody's gonna stop me No, nothing is beyond me I'm coming at you faster Now that Human Resources VP Meg Ward has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, she's totally owning it at work. She even has her own hype song. I'ma blow it up now. My workforce is really diverse. You know, different hours, different skill sets, different pay grades. We're motivating and engaging the right people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. Remember when RG3 was awesome? Yes. Do you remember when everyone loved all of his social media posts? Yes, followed him. You followed him. Might still. Don't nope. go through purges very often. No pressure, no diamonds. Know your mm-hmm. why. Mm-hmm. There's no comeback without the whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know how that goes. And and then remember how he's doing a bunch of ads. And I went down to DC. It's one of the only times I've been down there. I'm not there that often. And I was there for the home opener when he's coming back from the knee injury. And it was like a religious experience. This is RG three. And then everybody stopped liking him. Yeah. What do you think happened? Man, there are certain stories in the news, and I've told you this before, that I stop reading. Like when the cycle of drama, and this applies to very, very, very serious news items as well. When I was in politics and news, it's like there's certain ones. I don't even want to name them because I don't want to diminish them. But when I feel like the story is repetitive, I stop reading it. And 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 sometimes I, I don't keep up because it's like, ah, I read that story like four months ago, right? Surely. I mean, the degree of difference has to be small. The RG3 drama, Santana Moss, Dan Snyder, this guy, that guy. The dad being involved, sticking with cousins, Shanahan's role. It reached that level for me. It's just like, okay, we're doing this. It feels like a washing machine. We're doing this drama over and over and over again. You're accurate about all that stuff, and your answer is more in-depth than mine. Okay. Mine's a simpler one. He was winning, and then they were losing. 
So then it's you hit send on a tweet, and you go, oh, you got another catchphrase, dude? Like, you're not winning 10 games anymore. And I think that's almost a story with every single guy. I think it comes down to that all the time. Like Baker Mayfield, if they lost, if they didn't win a lot of games, they'd be going, can't have that. Too much of a distraction. Got to stay locked into the game. But he's awesome. Oklahoma's in the playoff. And I think the same could be said for Joel Embiid. Embiid is one of the most impressive young players this game has ever seen. That's how special he is. And the only thing that's gotten in his way is injuries. But I'm telling you, for the two years that he sat out, and he's even self-aware of this, because he does this piece, ESPN the Magazine, out now, Ramon Shelburne, this whole piece with her, where he talks about his social media presence. And for the most part, it's fun. And he even admits himself, yes, I start going down roads that are maybe a little dangerous, and for every one that's maybe a little bit too much and trollish, and I know what I'm doing, there's 10 that are just funny and stupid and nobody ever pays attention to those. But you know what's happening is Embiid is delivering on all the promise of his talent. And the Sixers are winning enough games. You know, around 500, that's actually pretty good for a young team, a group that has not played much together. So that feels like an accomplishment. But while he sat out for two years, Will, I'm telling you, the story about Embiid became uh, a bit of a jokester, not sure that he's in great shape. You know, he's on Twitter all the time. He's asking out Rihanna. Like, I'm not sure if this guy takes us that seriously. That's when he wasn't playing. Now that he's healthy and he's playing and he's even better than people could have imagined, he's the same exact guy, but now it's fun. You know what I hate about that analysis? It's not that it's wrong, because it's not wrong. Is that it validates one of those sports cliches that you hear so often that I'm just like, okay, that one did nothing for furthering my understanding. <laughs> you know which one I'm here? You hear winning washes the stench off of everything. Sure. Winning solves everything. Here's it, right. Yeah. <sighs> But clearly yeah, you're like right. You don't know that. Right? Let me ask you this. Who, who is getting the benefit of the doubt on behavior that we would not forgive but for the fact they win? The most. Who do, gets that the most? Baker. Like, I mean, right now, in the moment that I can think of. You know, I don't think I don't think LeBron does anything that's that bad. You right. know, he's he embellishes calls. I mean, who cares? Draymond Green. That. Um yeah, Draymond. If he was if he was on a team that struggled, right, you'd go. You can't win. You'd, you'd be saying, "Hey, you can't win with this guy," right? When in fact, you can win with him, right? Um, Which means that the the platitude isn't like a hundred percent bulletproof. Yeah, Russ. I don't. You know, if we start talking about stars in the league, like Russ doesn't get in trouble. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's just tough to play with. Right. We're starting to see that become a bigger problem with the Thunder. But that's that's the whole thing here. I don't know. I'm just thinking right now. Like Baker does stuff that you go. I'd rather you not do that. Mm-hmm. But they're in the playoff, and he just won the Heisman. I mean, That's how, a fact. I mean, how many times have you read in the past few days, you don't understand Baker Mayfield? Like, what if I do? <laughs> what if actually I do understand him? And I just haven't sat in a room with him like you have and either been conned or I have an emotional, physical attachment to him now and therefore, I feel like, because that's what happens to us, too. Like, oh, I hate this coach. I hate this coach. And then you meet him, and you're like, oh, I'm kind of a nice guy. I'll take it easier on him next time I'm on the air. Okay, but you asked me this in pre-show, so I know you want to talk about this as well. Is the clock ticking on Joel Embiid? Embiid nails it, though. In the beginning of this piece, he goes, I know eventually people are going to get sick of me. And, and people go, no, no, we love Joel Embiid. We love you right now. I remember telling everybody, the Curry thing eventually will expire. People will go up, oh, he keeps winning, now he's won MVPs, and now this dude who literally doesn't do anything wrong except chew on his mouthpiece. And people are like, oh, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Like, think about you hating. Think of you right now. You know, if your friends or you know, you and your buddies, you're your Spurs fans, you're Rockets fans, like I understand not loving Curry. But if you're neutral in the fandom here. I know that guy. Like how you know that you, guy too, right? Yeah, yeah. I understand. Like if you're a Spurs fan and you go, oh, I'm so No, sick no, no. Of him. I know the guy that's neutral. That, that he still hates him. hates him. Yeah. Yeah. I know that guy. The anti-Warriors thing is getting in the way of some people realizing you're missing out on maybe, not what not maybe one of the greatest. They are one of the greatest NBA teams ever assembled. And we're in the middle of it right now. And you are denying yourself enjoying it to some level as just a basketball fan. But you're caught up in all their stuff. And Embiid knows that at some point, maybe they don't win enough. You know, maybe he gets hurt again. And people are going to go, yeah, stay off social media a little bit. Start working out in the gym more. Embiid is not Steph Curry. 
He's giving people plenty of ammunition. He's giving them plenty of reason that when that day comes, they'll have no trouble finding reasons. Absolutely. That's a great call. Sarudi has pointed out, and I think he's accurate, that there's probably a pretty strong undercurrent of players in the NBA that are ready for that day, for the Joel Embiid honeymoon phase to end, so that they can start going, okay, see, now can we speak freely about the way Joel Embiid is tweeting? Yeah, like Andre Drummond tried to diss him and goes, talk to me when you play back-to-back. She's like, he is ten times the player than you are, Drummond. And Drummond's actually and better Drummond's this year, really, too. really good yeah, this Drummond's year. Be- Drummond, Drummond, in a dream, isn't as good as Embiid is. And then Drummond wants to talk like, so yeah, you're right. And you'll see guys get so frustrated in games. And Embiid has this disposition where he just looks at him. And again, it's pity. He's not even <laughs> mad at the opponent. He just kind of like looks at him and shakes his head like, yeah, sorry, man. There's nothing you can do with me. There's nothing you can do with me. Do you think Embiid right now has the highest approval rating by NBA fans? If you think about stars in the league today, is there anybody that has like more people saying, I like him, I like that guy, than Embiid? Saruti. Amongst fans, no. No, because he's like a Twitter sensation. He's a league pass sensation. Will? I think Saruti's 100% right. He's just a B-side right now. <laughs> He's the guy that was into the Ramones before you were into the Ramones, right? The truth of the matter is, as much as there's some hatred, as you point out, Steph Curry probably still has highest likability among the fans. No way. Who does? I think it's Embiid. Maybe no, that's maybe like, Giannis. See, definitely no. not Steph. Dude, people Embiid can't stand and Steph now. Embiid and Giannis aren't well-known enough to even get votes as being likable or unlikable. That's the sad truth. Embiid has enough. No. What about Kristaps? Same thing. Zinger? Zinger bars? You think, Steph, how do you, is this, what is this, Q rating? Likeability? There's a stat for this. Mike A., you can answer this. Well, Q rating has to do. We can know the facts on this. Doesn't Q rating have as much to do with your reach as much as your likability? It's a combination of likability and knowing who you are. I don't think we can do total numbers here, but I see so little negativity about Embiid ever. It's like a giant celebration. It's a coming out party for an entire season for Embiid. Because, one, there aren't really any expectations. But, you know, he'll turn into Anthony Davis real quick if he can't stay healthy and they don't ever make the playoffs. And what Davis made it once. You know, I hear more people kind of do a shoulder shrug about Anthony Davis. Like, eh, Anthony Davis, over that. I'm like, dude, he's unbelievable. But again, he doesn't stay healthy, and the team isn't very good. I think you're a little trapped in Twitter. I think you're a little trapped in the media bubble on that one. I think there's so a universal... super locked in? <laughs> universal. <laughs> By some definitions, yes. Uh, s- universal adoration among that crew. You're right. I guess maybe that's what I'm... <laughs> I think that's the NBA fan, though, today. The NBA fan is the guy that goes and checks Twitter all night long. Hmm. That younger fan. I do. I do think that. Well, maybe I'm wrong on that. So you think that Curry would still have a higher... I don't want to do Q, because clearly Curry's star is brighter than Embiid's. But you think Curry's approval rating by just every NBA fan is still higher than Embiid's? Yes. We'll get Mike I on it. Mike A on this. Let's put his, Find out if he really okay. has a right. computer in front of him. The Ryan Rosillo Show. So let's start at least with last night. It's not mm-hmm. just what we saw. It was ugly. It didn't look good. But then it turns into kind of what do you want to do with the Pats? And my argument today is I can't come in and go, oh, that defense looks terrible because it did. Or Brady looks old and he did. But whatever. When we've already seen them correct the problems from the first month during the season. So yep. what do you do as a guy that understands this much better? <laughs> you know, some of this has to do. Look, some of it was personnel last night. That front line for them, right? Yeah. Well, let's 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 say this: they're hurting at tackle, mm-hmm. right? So Marcus Cannon's not there. All right. So Cam Wake is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL in NFL history. Okay, Cam Wake is legit. Indomit can sue when he wants to. There's the key. Yes. When he wants to. When we saw Indomit can sue play against the Carolina Panthers, play against Baltimore Ravens, did he look like he wanted to? Nah. Carolina Panthers almost had like 400 yards rushing or something like that. Something ridiculous. Last night, he wanted to wreck Tom's night. So he did. Did you hear him after, by the way? Sue goes, yeah, they're actually not that hard to stop. It's it's amazing what what (laughs) happens when people have their mind right and their motivation is right. Miami was motivated last night. So, look, they have some problems on the offensive line. Tom's been getting hit a lot all year. Miami exacerbated that problem. They don't have the Terminator at tight end last night. 
The guy who owns the middle of the field probably better than any tight end in history at 6'7", 270 pounds. So now that means everybody on the outside has to win. What does Miami do? The one thing that every team should do against New England, press the living you-know-what out of their receivers and don't let them off the line as much as you can. Xavier Howard was doing that last night, and he can run. So now Brandon Cooks is going, who is this number 25 that is all up in my grill all night? I can't get away from him. That was amazing. I can't get away from him. So if you have somebody who has those kind of physical traits, don't sit back like Pittsburgh did in the AFC Championship game last year and play cover two, cover three, let's keep it all in front of us. We'll just make Tom go the hard way because he'll go the hard way, and then he'll put it in the end zone. Next thing you know, you won't have any possessions, and they'll have 30 points. So they they expose some things that can really – Bill talked about this today. He said, look, there's certain things that bother our football team. Miami showed those. He's going to have to look and see if Pittsburgh is willing to do that now, which is a little bit outside of their character. He said Pittsburgh's not the same as Miami, but they have to be prepared for Pittsburgh to play like Miami because that's what gets after them. Do I think that they are flawed? No, New England was never that strong. They weren't as strong as they've been in the past. But they always figure it out because they are disciplined as heck, and Bill pressures them mentally to always keep fighting and let the other team lose it. Well, Miami didn't lose it for them last night. New England lost it for themselves by throwing those turnovers and stuff. So it's a, it's a confluence. It's a, it's a combination of things that I don't think it's time to panic. Look, you never panic on that guy, and you never panic on Brady. You just don't. So it's not the beginning of the end for Brady. No, it, no, no. Now, I would bet Tom plays his best game of the year next week. He, he just will. Bill will do – look, I, I can't begin to tell you just how miserable practice is going to be for these guys this week. I've been through it. It was a hard day for them to watch that film. They are going to be told everything to push every button to get these guys ready. It's going to be an epic game, I think. Sometimes, Lewis, you're unpredictable, so I don't want to take anything for granted here. <laughs> but it seems like there's no debate that the 2016 quarterback class has completely surpassed the 2015 quarterback class. Do you agree? Yes. And what now do we think of Winston and Mariota? You know what? The first part, the first question is easy. Yeah, it has surpassed them. The second part's a little tougher. Okay, I think there's going to Marcus needs to be in a different offense. He needs to be in an offense that's a little bit more open, spread out. Something that uh, I would love to see Marcus Mariota coached by Andy Reid, by Doug Peterson, an offense of that style that has a run game that's not so just not so rigid and predictable, but something that where there's a lot of a lot of zone read, a lot of run RPOs, a lot of misdirection, a lot of things that really keep defenses on their heels to really let Marcus flourish. I, I would, I, I'm a big believer, you know, in environments changing players. Jameis, I don't really know what's going on down there. I really don't. Because Dirk Cutter is the guy who they all thought was who they had to keep. They had to keep him with Jameis because Jameis was going like this. I don't know what's going on with him because he's got weapons galore. They got them all for him. When you have Deshaun and Mike Evans and you and you draft O.J. Howard, I mean, what more do you – Cam Bray, what more do you want? So I don't know what's going on with him. Now, I know he's been banged up, but there's no doubt that Wentz and Goff, when it's all said and done, they'll have much better careers, I believe. We got Lewis Riddick with us. Is this run by Jacksonville, and I was doing some of the playoff stuff looking into this morning, they still have a chance of getting the number one seed that? in the AFC. Yeah. I know Boros has played a little bit better, although his man Fournette, what called him the top, <laughs> top five, five you, in the AFC. Did, were yeah. you on the set with Ryan or who? No, was, yeah, guys I, were I losing their mind. I, may, I, don't, said I, don't, it. I don't remember because Ryan Clark. Oh, that was that. Face. No, that was Sunday night. Yeah, no, so, no, I, I wasn't okay. there then. No. So, all right, we can all agree on this. Boros isn't projected to be a top five quarterback in the NFL at least by the end of this season. But how will this kind of team run, the team success, impact the way the front office handles a quarterback that they're probably ready to move on from at some point? Yeah, you know what? This is where you have to remain as objective as possible. And look, you you oh man, you got to make as much of an objective decision about this as as you can. Meaning this, you have to decide whether or not this run that they're on is it because they are such a balanced football team, they really utilize the play action game really well, and Blake is actually making some improvement, or is this something that's just a flash in the pan and you still have to move on? You can't be fooled because the body of work is too bad. Me personally. Look, when you watch Blake play, he may hit. Look, every quarterback's going to hit a couple nice ones. They just are. Not every quarterback is going to dirt ball everything and make you just go, he stinks. Look at the total of what Blake looks like when he's throwing the ball. 
half the time he throws the ball, I swear, he throws it and it's just like, it's, he throws it and it's like, oh, I hope that goes in there. I hope that's complete. Or, man, that looks like might might get picked. He looks so unsure every time he throws the football. I think he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know. I'm telling you, he doesn't know. But Leonard Fournette, that's a grown man. He looks different running the ball. This offensive line, it's built in Tom Coughlin's type of him. This is what he wants. And they've got some speed on the perimeter. And look, the defense, geez, I mean, there's nothing more you can really say about this is the defense of the future. They'll be the best defense in the league for maybe they keep those guys together four or five years. They'll, they're going to go into Seattle like run defensively. They're that good. Well, if you have a top defense in the league for four to five years, and let's just for hypothetical sake say you're running the Jaguars. Yeah. Um, you do move on from Bortles. You got to have a better quarterback. Would I, I well, I've already yes. assumed based upon the way you're talking yeah. that you would. But what? The, and I hate to, to go past this magical season the Jags are having. Well, is, I mean, it's not magical yet. They got nine it's wins. pretty magical for the Jags. <laughs> a three seed with three it? games to go. Where yeah. is the place you go? Is it Eli? Is you it know, Alex you Smith? Know what? what is it? You know, let, let me let me rewind that for a minute then and say this. I'm not a believer in Blake, but if you're sitting in that chair, and before you make that statement about I'm going to move on, right. you have to have an alternative plan. And right. I haven't thought that through for them. Like, what would I do if I didn't have him? I just know as someone who watches them – I'm not a believer, but before you make it, make that decision, you have to have an alternative that is better. Not equal. It has to be better. Otherwise, there's no point in making it. Alex is better than Blake Bortles. Alex Smith? Yes. Yeah. Is Eli still better than Blake Bortles? Oof. Eli has had a rough year. He has had a rough year. I know there's a sentimental component to it as far as in how he should have been treated. But he's had a rough year. Now, that has a lot to do with a lot of other things, too. Eli was never a generational quarterback who could put a whole team on his back. And as he's gotten older, he needs more help, and he's actually had less help. So, look, Tom Coughlin knows him better than anyone. And Tom has watched this team all year long. We'll find out whether or not they think Eli's better very soon. Maybe. Good stuff, as always. Thank you. You got it. Listening to the Ryan Rossillo Show podcast. You can check out the show live weekdays at 1 Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on ESPN News. The Ryan Rossillo Show podcast.